the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black in Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Welcome in. Rob Black, your money. I'm Rob Black. Talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. I like to say there's really not that much that you have to do to become a better investor, but I guess the more I think about this, the more there is sometimes things to do. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Got to start the show. Here we go. Thank you. Um, there's really not that much that you have to do. There's just little things that you could do along the way to really make things even better. I found myself laughing at myself for giving some awkward investment advice this week, like, well, you didn't save enough for retirement, so try to stay healthy. Brush your teeth. I know you're saying, brush your teeth. Yeah, if you can get one of those uh, water picks for your kids... Anything you can do to get your kids to 20 without cavities, it goes a long way. And insurance on teeth isn't the best, nor is it the most effective. And Long story short, invest in your own health, whether it be your weight, with diabetes, with a heart attack, um, or brushing your teeth. Another piece of advice, go to Home Depot this weekend and get a lemon tree. Or a lime tree. You can get a lemon tree, a lime tree for five, ten bucks, and you'll easily get hundreds of lemons and limes off those trees. If you have enough sun in your yard. If not, then, you know, eh. or enough sun on your balcony, or just enough sun in your life. I suppose uh, there's other plants that you could probably plant that have more medicinal uses and resale value, but. I'm sick with the lemons and limes for myself. There's no time like today to start. I've got a friend who is a photographer, and she's been working as an assistant for 15 years. And now she's basically the same pay grade that she was 15 years ago, a little bit more here and there, but not much. She wants to become a photographer, and she's really good at it, and she's got a great eye, and she's got a great camera. And uh, she's got enough friends and enough of a network. There's no day, there's no start like today, especially if you have a husband. In this case, who works in like corporate IT or some sort of boring tech job, 
If he's getting good benefits and you're getting good write-offs as an entrepreneur, do it. There's also no no way, shape, or form. Start now investing. Don't wait. I got an email from Aaron this week. 28-year-old girl. Cute. Real cute. Short, but cute. Super tall boyfriend. Mm, I know, that's the word that you're not allowed to say on this, this air. I should dump it every time someone says it. Boyfriend. Husband. Hit the dump button quick. So, anyway, um, she got a pretty good, good inheritance. And the more I thought about it, the more I thought about it, the more I thought about it. She's got some student loans. I'm like, if you're servicing your student loans, don't stress. She's got no debt. So if you're able to service your student loans, don't pay them off. Because the money that you're paying them off with, it's gone forever. Whereas if the student loans are 3 4%, and she can get 3 4% in dividends, maybe 1 2% in growth, she comes out winning. Dollars are becoming diluted. We know that. The Fed keeps printing the money, so money has less value. It's all about supply and demand. We know inflation eats away the value of the dollar. So it's more suicide to pay off debt than it is smart. And when I say suicide, I hope you don't have suicide in your life. There's nothing more tragic than a loved one, family member killing themselves. When I say suicide, I'm talking financial suicide. I could probably be more sensitive with my words, but I'm just not that smart. So paying off debt is a bad thing if it's under 8%. If it's 1, 2, 3, 4% or if it's tax deductible, holy mackerel. If you can service it, there's DF. If ifs and buts were candy and nuts, oh, what a party we'd have. So the more I started thinking about this 28-year-old, she's got $100,000, $85,000 roughly from a dead relative, I assume. She inherited it. Very rarely do you inherit something without someone dying. So I say go get a pint of Guinness, toast that relative, and get it working for you. Fund your Roth 401k, or your, I'm sorry, your Roth IRA for, IRA for 2012. Fund your Roth IRA for 2013. I know you're saying you can fund last year's, yeah, you could fund any IRA from last year up until tax day the following year. So you can do two for one. And right there, just spend a, a good chunk of the money. Then I would set up the rest of the money in the income stocks that can spit off a little bit of money. Not a lot, but a little bit. She's young. She just did something. She has set up a second job, a form of income. A, a second, you know, a job pays you income, right? If she takes $80,000 of money and puts it in AT&T and it pays her 5%. Let's say she gets, what, 4000 a year? That's like a second job. I know you're saying, but... Well, okay. Yeah, that's not the best example. But it's another job. And then next time she gets a windfall, puts it in something else, and it pays another $4,000. Like, whoa, now you get it. And if the company keeps increasing their dividend over time, if the company continues to buy back shares, she'd look pretty attractive. Of course she is an attractive woman already, but... She needs to be patient. She needs to slow things down. Um, she didn't mention a husband. She mentioned a boyfriend. She didn't mention a boyfriend. I just saw boyfriends in Facebook. I'm a Facebook stalker. No. Um, and it could be a husband. Maybe. Which sound effect is better? Mine? Or... 
strangely, I like mine more. Okay, okay, you can turn yours up. Unfair. Um, so what she should not do is buy a car. What she should not do is shop. What she should not do is take that money and put it in her boyfriend's name. She should not go mingle the money. Um, and if the debt's over 8%, yeah, that's when you should start thinking about paying down debt. It's tough to get over 8% in the stock market. Keep in mind, the stock market got 16% last year. So had she put the money in the stock market, she could have paid off. You know, she could have made 16000 with 100000 And, like, do you see, like, that's why you want to keep the money on your side of the fence more often than not. There's no shame in not knowing what you're investing in. There's a shame in investing in stuff you don't know. I have no problem with you saying, I'm going to buy a large cap index fund, a mid-cap index fund, a small-cap index fund, an international index fund, and some sort of income or real estate investment trust in fund. I think there's a huge mistake when you start buying Siemens. You don't know Siemens. I study Siemens, and I can tell you I know about 2% of the company. I find that people get in way over their head with individual stocks. I was asked this week, when should people buy individual stocks versus index funds. At about $100,000, that's when you should take 5 to 10 and invest it in one name. See if you're any good at it for a year. Before you get into like 2 or 3 or 4 or 5 names, play this game with your spouse. I know you're saying, is this going to be sexy? No. This is a non-sexy game. Call it your life savings game where you show your spouse your life savings and what you would invest in right here, right now. Write it down. I bought... 100 shares of Apple at 450 and then ask for it back. Trade with paper money before you trade with real money. You're listening to Rob Black. Find me online at robblack.com on the Wall Street Business Network. That's a Bloomberg Market Minute. Listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. You're listening to me, Rob Black, talking all things financial. That's a little Silver Sun pickups. played Coachella at 2009. A little too soft for me. A little too, uh, I don't know, moody? So, these are all bands who have played in other bands and formed their own little super band. So, um... I don't know. One of their songs is featured in Rock Band 2, Guitar Hero. Like, eh, eh, eh. That's not your claim fame. Helene Orléans. She wrote a book called Pound Foolish, and I dig her. Um, she, You're not going to see her on CNBC any, anytime soon. She's one of those bloggers. She's one of those people that works in financial media, but you won't see her on CNBC anytime soon. 
So she was on CNBC two nights ago. No, no, she was on CNBC. <laughs> I said, you're not going to see her on CNBC. Oh, she was on CNBC. No, she was on John Stewart two nights ago. And her book's called Exposing the Dark Side of Personal Finance. And we all know John Stewart's gone kind of epically crazy on um, CNBC hosts. He's gone epically crazy on people who lie and change their opinion, like Jim Cramer. His bo- her book is Exposing the Dark Side of the Personal Finance Industry. It goes through the history of how Americans became hooked on investing as a way of making money. It started with the rise of IRAs as worker compensation at the end of the 1970s. Her point is we're not rewarding Americans enough for working for decades and saving their money responsibly. We're glorifying risk with CNBC. I couldn't agree more. You know, I was watching CNBC because to me it's like financial porn. Um, It's just some days I don't remember to turn on Bloomberg, so I turn on CNBC. And Melissa Lee, she's horrific. And Jim Cramer, he once came on and told Maria, you know, I used to lie to you in his book. He said, I lied to you so that I can move a stock higher or lower. He didn't say I was a great investor. He said, I used you. Now when you turn on CNBC, you see this billionaire hedge fund manager arguing for or against his point. There's not a lot of news there. There's not a lot of advice there. There's not a lot of insight there. You're just hearing about this, the opinion of. It's certainly not a news network. You see Maria Bartiromo going crazy with in her interviews because she loves the feedback of the fans when she, you know, gives it to them hard. No sexual innuendo there. So CNBC, according to Helen Elaine, author of Pound Fullest, she says for the now ubiquitous CNBC, its origins are in the second tier of Los Angeles UHF television station KWHY. In the mid-1980s, it changed its name to Financial News Network and expanded its national presence via cable. In 1991, it merged with two-year-old broadcast outlet CNBC. Longtime political campaign consultant Roger Ailes was soon brought in to glam up the place. Breathless stock cheerleading became the order of the day when the dot-com boom commenced, with long-legged, big-lipped money-honey Maria Bartiromo reporting from the floor of the New York Stock Exchange, frantically delivering up-to-the-minute news releases from companies and analysts alike. And one of the people I really like on CNBC is a woman named Becky Quick. She came from the Wall Street Journal as a journalist. If you go Google Becky Quick, or even if you're doing this while you're driving, please don't. But 10 years ago, she was the frumpiest girl that you've ever seen come out of college. She was a frumpy dumpy. Like, she, there was nothing good looking about her. Like, her suits were $10 suits kind of thing. I know you're saying, what's a $10 suit? Now you're talking things that don't even make sense. Oh, but did they glam her up? Take a look at what 10 years of TV will do to someone. Oh, and she married a billionaire. Um, Bloomberg is running a more respectable operation. They're not even tracked by Nielsen. CNBC is selling hope. They're selling we have the answers, follow us, we'll tell you the secrets. What it doesn't seem to occur to anyone watching is a couple hundred thousands of people are watching the same thing at the same time. So even if it's accurate, you're not getting anything good. So I think this is the most important book written in the last five, ten years on Wall Street, and no one's going to read it. She's basically saying that CNBC sells hope. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, it's, it's, it couldn't be more true. When I lived in Washington, D.C., and I run, ran an investment advisory firm, I'd drive up, I'd do CNBC, I'd do Bloomberg. 
CNBC, they'd say, so what do you want to talk about? Um, and I'd say, let's talk about GE. Let's talk about a good old industrial company, if it's a good, good idea for people or not. It's widely held. It's in most mutual funds. Let's talk about it. And they're like, no, no, they want to talk G-Wiz, not G-E. So you can give them something incredibly boring and nice. They don't want it. And if you're not going to be, you know, yell, they don't want you. I went through the rigmarole last, this last year of looking into a national TV show. And what it's come down to is we're going to look at it again this year. A lot of incredibly talented people, a lot of incredibly talented directors, agents. And what they wanted me to do was yell. And I'm just not going to yell. It's not me. I'm not going to say 30-year-old woman who saved nothing. If you're a 40-year-old woman who saved nothing for retirement, there's a good chance you're going to work till the day you die. Okay, am I going to go, you're going to work till the day you die, and you're a loser, and your mom and dad created somebody who's going to suck off the system, sucker? No. What I'll say is, well, maybe you should stand out by a burn clinic wait for a wealthy guy who crashes Porsche. If I were to yell, you get the national TV show. If you're to be sarcastic, not so much. Anyway, I care about the millennials most, people younger than me. I'm a Generation Xer. We were very late to find our way. We had successful parents, successful brother, baby boomer brothers and sisters. Generation X is a little bit tougher. The unofficial millennial spokespersons turned into Lena Dunham from Girls. You know, $12 salads by day, $14 cocktails by night, but they live in their parents' basement or their parents bankroll their lifestyle. It's enticing, right? Millennials are typically defined as anyone born after 1980, which is interesting because I think that's my cutoff line of you're too old if you were born in 79. I know you're saying you didn't really just say that. Internal editor, odd. The financial duress of the Great Depression produced the greatest generation. Will the millennials and the Great Recession that we had create a great group of people? They're graduating with a ton of debt, $25,000 plus in student loan. They're now working as clerks with a college degree because it's so competitive out there. Baby boomers aren't retired and giving up their jobs because they didn't know how to invest. You're listening to me, Rob Black. Find me online at robblack.com, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show, on the Wall Street Business Network. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money. On AM 1220, KDOW, and Radio Station. See, now I was just talking about the millennials. It doesn't sound like this band's put enough time in. I like my, my band's them swoops sound a little bit grittier. Um, I was talking about the millennials, and they're the people who were born after 1980. And they're graduating with a lot of debt. They're starting to change things, though. And I dig it. 
Um, they've got a high number of unemployed members. A lot of them are living at home. A lot of them are living off their parents' money. They're not making ends meet because of their college debt, because of the low-paying jobs that are out there for them. A lot of members of the Generation X, they entered the workforce in the 1990s. The digital bubble benefited from plentiful job opportunities, high salaries, workplace flexibility. Millennials didn't enter the workforce that gently. A young Gen X grad might recoil at the prospect of long hours in an unpaid internship. Whereas an unpaid internship is basically resume building for people today. Millennials, people born after 1980. Now, economic pressures will revolutionize the way you think about sharing. We'll think away about the way you own things. I grew up, basically, I'm a self-made success. I don't mind saying that. My father was a military guy. He kicked out six kids. All of us got college degrees, but we all went six different directions. It's not like we were bred to be, at one point in time, we all wanted to be lawyers. And the funny thing was, we were going to be called black, 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 and black. And black. So, but that didn't happen. But my perspective on things is, is hard work. So I don't like buying new cars because you pay a premium for it. I do like five-star resorts. I don't mind saying it. I do like to glamp. Glamorous camping. I don't like to poop behind a bush. No, 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 no. I want flushable toilet. Very, 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 very important. I don't remember eating corn. I know. I look. And I'm like, when when did I eat corn? Or is that a tooth? Oh, I need to change the topic fast in three, two, one. So a Federal Reserve study showed that the number of people taking out their first mortgages in 2000 was two times the number of young people doing so between um, what they are now between 2009 and 2011. So in 2000, a lot of young people were buying houses. Now they're not. Millennials are breaking from the traditional socioeconomic trajectory of get out of college, get married, buy a house, make a baby. And they're they're living more as group living in urban centers. They're supporting companies that serve a new sharing economy. Transportation may have been about style and comfort for people like myself in Generation X and baby boomers. But for millennials, it's about speed, efficiency, and access. And I remember many nights in San Francisco spending 30 minutes parking my car. Millennials are like, bus can drop me off, I don't care. And they'll save hours and months of their lives. So millennials are still consumers, but what's interesting about millennials, people born after 1980, they represent the smallest group of luxury spenders today. That could be because of lower incomes, but it's also because they got lower priorities. They rely on daily deal services like Groupon. They love them. I've got a friend, Eddie, who uh, he uses Groupon every day for lunch. He's looking for the cheapest lunch locally that he can get on any deal. Now, again, he's eating out every day instead of bringing his own meal every day, so he's smart, but he's not that smart, but you get the idea. 
People look at millennials as entitled, and I, I disagree with that a little bit. I think there's no jobs for them. The economy was tough. They're stepping it up. There's emphasis being placed on people feeling good with you know mediocre results. I think the millennials will be a trophy for future generations because they were, you know, battle born into the blood of a tough economy. Oh, with that said, you still have to save a lot of money, whether you're a baby boomer, whether you're Generation X, Generation Y. I guess Generation Y now is millennial, mostly. You have to have a million dollars by the time you retire. You want to take out of that million dollars three years of your budget, and then you want to invest the rest of it to try to get 7%. 7% because you could live off... of an income draw, but you need an extra 3% to keep that core asset of a million dollars beating inflation. Inflation averages 2 to 4% a year. Some years it's going to be a lot more than that, and it's going to stink. So, I don't know. I like enticing and sweeping narratives. I like putting people in, you know, a box and saying, this is everything that you need to know. Um, There's something wonderful about it. Gosh, there's so much stuff that I can't say. It kills me. So all I'll tell you is, Helene Olin wrote the book Pound Foolish. Like, there's one guy that I just want to rip, but he broadcasts on this network, the Wall Street Business Network. And I just, I got to be careful. So, names like Suze Orman, Dave Ramsey, David Bach, experts who have built empires. They've built empires for themselves, giving you simple financial advice. Someone who's cash-strapped, someone who's paycheck to paycheck. A lot of experts put a bandage on the problems in the economy. A lot of experts don't know how to tell you to invest. The best way you could invest is max out your 401k, your 403b, your 457. Save 15% of your paycheck. Put it in assets that over time increase, stocks, bonds, and real estate. The best type of real estate is not the house you live in. The house you live in is great because you could fix your costs and you pay yourself rent. But real estate as an investment is something you actually own outright, not a 30-year mortgage. That's the bank owns it. Over time, you own it. You know, tips aren't enough. I can give you a stock tip right now. Psst. Here's your stock tip of the day. I don't mind doing it. But it's not enough to change your consumer finances. You know, there's no shame in buying uh, store brands. You don't have to buy the big brands. You know, I love making a, a tomato paste, tomato sauce. Italians would call it gravy. Whatever. I love doing that. I'm not Italian. I'm not a bit Italian, just for the record. I'm so white. Like You're like, ooh, let's take a guess. Is he Scottish, vampiric, or Irish? I'm probably all three. I tan red. Like, beet red. I tan tomato red. That's like, ooh, I got a nice tan going. And then I'm sitting next to a beautiful Italian, and I'm like, oh, she's olive. How can skins be so different? But, yeah, they are. 
I loathe personal finance gurus. They're telling us, you know, buy an umbrella here, buy a sandbag here, you'll be fine. The best way for you to accumulate wealth is to save your income. The best way for you to do it is to push your income higher. The best way to do it is to save money on things to spend money on. The best way to do it is not to make big financial mistakes. The best way to do it is to ensure what you can't afford to lose. We're nuts when it comes to money in this society. Most people live beyond their ways and means. Most Americans, 75% of Americans are going to hit poverty in retirement. And here's the killer. We're going to live longer, and it's going to stink. I've got a grandmother who's honestly waiting to die. I think she's ready. I think she's ready to go. I had another grandparent who was ready to go, and she wanted to go to Jesus, and she wanted to go see her husband who's preceded her five-plus years. She was lonely. She sat around a house and talked God all day, which is great. You know what I want to do? I want to learn how to surf a longboard in retirement. You know what I want to do? I want to see the pyramids. I want to live life in retirement. I don't want to sit around and wait to die. My mom's sitting around and waiting to die. It's tragic. It's nice for me because I get to you know, talk to her, but it's tragic that her last 10 years have been in bad health. And she might live another 10 and be in really, really bad health. Can you live six months without your job's income? If not, you might be living beyond your means. Do you vacation on credit? If so, you are living beyond your means. If you're only considering monthly payments when buying a car, you're living way beyond your means. You have to look at the duration of the loan. Getting a six or seven year loan on a car is not a good idea. So there's, there's signs that are like you could tell. If you've paid an overdraft fee in the last 12 months, you're living way beyond your means and means. If you've ever exceeded your credit love limit in the last two or three years. Now, again, I use a miles card so I get free vacation out miles. Sure. I use my credit card as a, basically a glorified debit card. I have it set to auto pay every month. And there was a month that I spent a little bit over. And they didn't penalize me or anything like that, but that was just me being stupid. Fortunately, I have enough that I could be stupid. If you're ever in debt and you pay someone to do a job that you could do yourself, you might be in over your head financially. It's Rob Black and your money on the Wall Street Business Network. That's a Bloomberg Market Minute. Listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. I probably shouldn't tell this story that I was just starting to tell. But internal editors break. <laughs> Sometimes you just can't be fixed. I floated around radio now 15, 16, 17, 18 years. It's tough to put an exact number on it. 
probably more like 16, 17, but it feels more like 18. And if I've told myself once, I've told myself a million times not to exaggerate. I'm incredibly lucky. I don't have to work for money. I worked at a place where I had a manager who was great. He would come out with, and I'm not kidding you, and maybe I can even pull it up right now. I'm not positive that I can. But he was mid-level management, you know, oversaw four or five radio stations, which tells you right there, like, how did that happen? Overseeing four or five radio stations, right? Isn't it, like, shouldn't you oversee, like, one or two at most? A company that I was working for, and I won't mention them by name, because that just, that would get me in trouble. But he would hand out, like, um, documents for us to read. Like, a good host always tells you what day it is. A good host, and like you'd like um, relate with your listeners, talk about something relevant to them, not to you. So anyway, he was upper level manager, right? You still following me? And I guess where I go with this story is that things didn't end well for him. This is a company that walks you out the door with a security guard. They let you know the day that you're fired that you've been let go. Let go. It's not you. It's us. We're going a different direction. Super, super nice, right? That you couldn't be nicer. Thank you for letting me go. It's almost like, um, thank you, I guess. Oh, my gosh. You just let me go. And I'm someone I'll go peacefully and quietly. Like, you don't have to, like, push me out the door. I'll gladly go. Like, I'll work for a six-pack of beer somewhere else. Anyway, long story short, this guy was pushing 40, 45 maybe. And he was at the height of his career. He had been in radio for 20, 25 years. He was management. He was probably one of those guys who got a divorce, got a loft in town, probably invited some of the 18 to 25-year-old young staffers to his condo, apartment, townhouse, whatever you want to call it. Probably lived pretty epically large. I think you all know someone like this, someone who's had that divorce, who reinvents themselves, spends a little bit too much money, maybe loses a lot of weight. Something happened, right? And he's top of his game in management. You couldn't, like, he's got gold records on his wall from artists that he played on the radio and gave him a fake gold record years ago. And I liked him. I mean, charismatic guy. He's a little bit of a a tool when it came to handing out uh, memos. But, you know, that's management has to think that they're successful. Management has to think that they have to hand something out, right? Management can't let talent just be talent. They have to feel like they've contributed to the success. So you're saying, get to the point of this. Well, he's hit rock bottom. He's now writing books that are self-published. That's something you really need to watch out for is Ponzi schemes, this is a totally different topic, but Ponzi schemes will get a lot of educated people to fall for it because we're way too confident in our ability to evaluate a deal, and we're not that really good at it. You know, um, timeshares. 99% of people shouldn't do a timeshare. Here's how timeshares work. You get into it. And you can get 50% off any timeshare deal you want. 
Hey, a free weekend in Tahoe. Come listen to a timeshare deal. They'll start at 100000 You can get it for fifty if you really want it. But then you're in it. You're vacationing there every single year. And they've moved on to another property to sell. The maintenance isn't going to be as good as you want it to. The deal's not going to be as good as you want it to be. You're going to end up giving away that timeshare for any charitable event that you can give it away for because you want a write-off for it at this point in time. I've never met one person who bought a timeshare who was happy. Not one single person. I want to be able to vacation where I want to vacation. A couple years ago, I went to Costa Rica. Ten years ago. Because everyone was going to Costa Rica and they loved it. It sucked. You know, and the the guy who greets you at the airport also gets you in a cab, and he also wants to sell you a timeshare, and he also wants to, you know, be the captain of your boat. Like, you know the country's struggling for American dollars. Okay, go backwards, go backwards. So, guy that I worked with, he didn't save enough for retirement. When he had his golden years, age 20 to 40, 45, he should have been maxing out everything. But... He started living life a little too large and believing his own little, you know, rhetoric of how great radio is. And it's an industry that's um, consolidating. It's great. I love the medium. But the money from the 80s is gone. It's like the money from television in 2000s. It won't be there in 2010, 2020. There's too many television stations competing for, like Comcast will run a commercial for a dollar. Comcast will run a commercial for a dollar. Now, again, you have to buy 25,000 commercials from them. But there's not a lot of money in television anymore. Anyway, so this guy gets unceremoniously dumped. And I kind of have to almost smile about it in a weird way because I saw so much talent, so much engineering get dumped. I saw sales get beefed up, management protect their own jobs. That when you start seeing the management get attacked, lesson learned here is, is life changes on us all. And as cocky and as arrogant, as great as you are, as top of game you, as you are, it may not end the way you want it to. So you need to save a lot of money. One of the last things I ended last segment on was I said, you know, make sure you have at least six months of income in case you lose your job. Can you live for six months without a job? And if you can't, then you have not saved enough money. And think about this. When you're 60, can you live 30, 40 years off what you saved? Social Security is not a lot of money. Comes out to about eighteen thousand dollars. After you pay health care costs, it's about twelve thousand. After you pay taxes, it's about ten thousand. It's about a thousand a month. Can you live off that? Thirty bucks a day. I don't know if I could get lunch in San Francisco for thirty bucks. This is Rob Black and your money on the Wall Street Business Network. Just clap your hands. Just clap your hands. There's a place you can go for good, clean fam on the Wall Street Business Network. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Doing the very, very best I can to give you good, solid second opinions on everything that I can do. Financially speaking, um, anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Drop me an email, rob at robblack.com. Rob at robblack.com. You know, I think there's a price of love that we should always talk about. There's restaurants and vacations and clothes and jewelry. If I were to look back at some of the biggest mistakes I've made, it's been jewelry. Whether it was 
15-year-old boy, 14-year-old boy trying to impress a girl, or whether it's a 40-year-old man trying to impress a girl. I have equated money with love, yet in my head I know there's a lot of sexy cheap dates that are out there. You know, I can sketch. What's sexier than sketching someone? I think there's something in love that we should talk about on a regular basis called I'll show you mine if you show me yours. And there should be deal breakers. You start with credit reports, credit card statements, defaulted bills, Chapter 7, Chapter 11, background checks, criminal records. I once dated, and this is a, a great quick quickie. So I'm dating a girl in college who I honestly thought could be like President of the United States. I went through this phase in my life where I went to the intellectual. <laughs> Not so much now. Just give me someone compatible, right? But I, on our first date, we're in Old Town Alexandria, and I said, So, what's your dad do for a living? And she said, Time. And then it hit me like a frying pan to the face. Her dad was in prison. Wow. So back in the 90s, and you might remember Magic Johnson coming out being HIV positive. I remember people crying. I was listening to a radio show that day where people were calling crying that what was a healthy heterosexual male had contracted a disease that was going to kill him. So back then, you had to show HIV. I mean, I remember... You know, when dates would start leading somewhere, you had to show, like, HIV tests. Again, I'll show you mine if you show me yours. And they're called deal breakers. I think if you meet anyone who's addicted, you should, it should be a deal breaker. If you find someone that has not filed their taxes, it should be a deal breaker. You should do a background check on each other as a date. Wait, 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 wait. What do you mean you robbed a convenience store? That we can forgive maybe when you're 12 and it's literally a candy bar. But when you're 22, there's something wrong with you. I remember I was a delinquent of a kid. I used to go into the dressing rooms and put candy bars in my socks. And then I was so stupid as like a 10-year-old kid, I'd put said candy bars underneath my bed. And I didn't exactly clean my own room. My mom did more often than not. Finds this big pile of candy and is like, where did this come from? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> Probably the best sign that you're a delinquent liar of a child is that phrase, I don't know. So you should have deal breakers. I think you should also talk to yourself, like, why do you really want... Okay, so let's say you get past the deal breakers. Credit report looks good. They pay their bills on time. Credit card statements look good. There's no groceries on them. Background check comes out. No Chapter 7, no Chapter 11, no massive student loans. I know people who fell in love, and in college, it's easy to be in love, right? But then, oh, wait, wait, wait. My parents paid for my college, and you ran up college debt? We're two different people now coming out of college. I remember my brother Peter got basically a divorce in law school. He was totally in love in college, totally in love, but... When he went to law school and he had to start doing that hardcore graduate school work, he was a different person than he was in college. So you get through all your deal breakers, okay? I'll show you yours if you show me mine. I'll show you mine if you show me yours. Next thing you got to do, you're falling in love, is consider a prenup. 
can't do these things. You're not a financially mature adult. If you can't talk money, and again, the simplest example is Juliet. We merged our lifestyles together back in the day of CDs when you'd go out and buy a CD every week. It was kind of like albums became CDs, and now CDs become songs and MP3s, and things are different. But we merged our CD collection. Biggest mistake of my life. Because she remembers that she bought something that I know I bought. Truth is, I might have had a little bit of, you know, scotchy, scotch, scotch, scotch in my belly, belly, belly when I bought it. And maybe I didn't really buy it. Maybe I thought I bought it. Anyhow, long story short, that breakup hurt. Breakups hurt over property. Breakups hurt over money. So you should be able to talk pain-free about money. And if you can't, you shouldn't be involved with this relationship. Okay, so before you get married, what's up with this whole Vera Wang wedding dress? Weddings cost on average over $30,000. Break the mold. Marry the person forever. Don't, Don't pay for the day forever. You know... I enjoy a good wedding. There's no doubt about it. As long as I'm not paying for it, I enjoy a good wedding. Can you raise your hand if you've ever really enjoyed catered food? Like catered food, good catered food's okay. A great restaurant is the mind-changing relationship with life. You find a great restaurant and it changes, you find a great caterer and you're like, yeah, that's pretty good tonight, huh? I really wanted to go back for a second of that chicken cordon bleu, and uh, it was yum, yum, yummy. But you pay a caterer, you pay for a dress, you pay for the brand Vera Wang, you pay for tables, you pay for guests. In- investing that money, $30,000 when you're 25 will be $60,000 when you're 33. It'll be $120,000 in your 40s. It'll be $240,000 in your 50s. It'll be half a million dollars when you retire. So go ahead and have that $30,000 wedding. I'm promising you're probably going reti- to you're probably going to break up. Okay. So you get married, you pass, you know, again, I'll show you mine deal breakers. You're able to talk money, you know, there's no bad bad things, you're compatible with each other, you know what you're marrying into. You've been able to talk about a prenup. A prenup could be a frying pan. A prenup doesn't have to be a 401k account. You got through the wedding. You bought a house, and it's time for a divorce. Only thing I can tell you at this point in time, no one wins if you're going to be nasty with each other. You're not going to get any satisfaction in the end by winning. Most states, you don't win. Most states, everything's split 50-50. One mistake people will make is, I'll take the house, you take the 401k. The 401k, $100,000 in a 401k is a lot tougher than $100,000 in a house. So it's tougher to save for retirement than it is to find a place to live. There are two different, and a hundred thousand dollars in a house is actually depreciating because of the cost of inflation. Hundred thousand dollars in a four hundred one k appreciates because they're invested. So, in time of divorce, don't get a super lawyer. Don't think you're going to win. You're mad. You're angry. Don't lawyer up. Don't take money out of the bank account. Be calm, be cool. Get a mediator, a divorce mediator, three thousand, four thousand bucks most, and try to cut the cost of divorce because it's hurtful enough emotionally that your marriage failed. 
try not to let it hit your bank account as well. Just double whammy and don't do it. to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. Got a couple emails. Francisco says, Amen. Enjoying the show. Lost my appetite with the whole corn thing. My wife and I adopted a financial day. We take the day off of work. We commit to going over all our non-fixed bills and contact them to save by either bundling or downgrading. At the end of the day, enjoy our compliments with a great meal out. Enjoy your weekend. Um, The meal out, you kind of lose me on. But I don't know if I even want a financial day. Like, you know, pandas poop 130 times a day. Like, I couldn't live with a panda. There's no way. I don't know if I want to spend a whole day with a sugar booger talking money either, if you know what I'm saying. A whole day? But you know what I'm finding, and I'm surprised by this. Um, my dentist is like, he doesn't have cable TV anymore. He's like, yeah, I just use Hulu. Got a Roku box in Hulu. I'm like, good for you. Um, so, yeah, a whole day with a sugar booger. I was asking my producer, number seven. Which you'd prefer a night at home. He's got a wife and a kid who's gone to college, um, but doesn't live at home. Night at home watching sports with six pack of beer, or night alone camping with no one near you. He's like, well, the beer's beer. It's always good to have near you. I'm like, but you gotta go to bed with a wife. That's a negative for most. First five years of marriage, it's good. After that, she snores, she drools. She kicks. It's like, I didn't know I married a donkey. Yeah. I'm sorry, donkey lady. Yeah. Um, yeah, night of camping. As I turn 30, those nights by myself, I cherish. Okay, okay. So Russell sends in an email. He goes, my wife and I are trying to oh, email rob at robblack.com. It's rob at robblack.com. My wife and I are trying to figure out where to put our six months of emergency money as our current savings account and money market accounts are only paying a pathetic one-tenth of a percent to one-three-tenths of a percent. I researched bankrate.com and I found some online CDs that pay eight-tenths of a percent for nine months. My question, is it worth the effort to move our money from bank to bank in order to get a seven-tenths percent return on investment? Yeah. Um, Bank to bank is going to take you ten minutes. Online banking rocks. It rolls. Most online banks, like if you use an Ally, A-L-Y, which I hate the name, ING, remember ING Direct in orange? Most online banks work like this. You have an account at Bank of America, and you open an account at ING Direct, and you punch in your online bank, you punch in your Bank of America, your Wells Fargo, your, your brick-and-mortar bank, and you transfer money, and you're done. But when you need the money, it takes another two to three days to transfer back, and that's the problem. But, okay, so he looks at the cash. He's like, yeah, six months cash, pathetic returns. But cash is supposed to have pathetic returns. Investments are supposed to have the best returns. 
Bonds are supposed to have pretty good returns. Real estate, okay returns. That's history. Stocks, 10%. Bonds, 6%. Real estate, 5%. Cash, 2% or less. Cash is supposed to be liquid. Cash is like, let's say you bought Apple, and you really feel good about its prospects, but it goes through a bad quarter. You're losing a lot more than that 1% lack of return that you're getting on cash. You're losing, you know, you're like, oh, if I sell it now to pay my bills, then I'm going to, you know, you never want to sell your stocks. You never want to sell your bonds. You never want to sell your real estate. They're long-term commitments. Cash isn't. So I'd take 1% on cash. If you really want to be greedy and go for biggest return with least amount of volatility, I'm okay with Ginny Mae funds. Some CFBs like Chad Burton, he's like, no, no, cash is cash. You've got to go cash. I'm okay with Ginny Mae funds if you're pretty secure. His second question is, do you think a short-term CD is the best option in this economy? We're thinking about 9- to 12-month CDs. You know, I don't really know who you are, Russ. You're, I don't know your age, your income, your assets, your liabilities, your time frame, what likelihood is that you're going to need these, this cash. But, yeah... I I wouldn't try to hit a home run with your cash. Okay? If I'm pitching to you, let's say we get to AT&T Park and is it still AT&T Park, Verizon Park, Comcast Park, whatever park. We get to some sort of park. If I'm pitching to you, swing for the fences. Cuz my fastball isn't that fast. My fastball is kind of like a big ham sandwich coming in. You could line it up and clobber it. I know you're saying, ham sandwich? Where did that thought come from? This seems a lot easier to have a ham sandwich than a Matt Cain curveball, right? Does Matt Cain throw curveballs? I don't even know. Probably. So we'll root, root, root for the home team. Um, yeah, so your cash has to be relatively safe. Russell? Because in theory, you don't want to have to access, like, let's say you lose your job and your, your cash is that nine-month CD. Uh-oh. Can you get it out or not? What's the penalty? So you need to figure some of this out. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220. Talking about some of the, you know, the, the basics in life. Falling in love per, uh, fiscally. You know, you fall in love with the person you're going to spend the rest of your life with. Now you, you got to make the money. You got to stop procrastinating. You got to stop getting bad advice. You know the, uh, the single biggest mistake people make is procrastinating. Now this weekend, do you want to go camping and see Big Sur and the beaches and love your partner? Absolutely, and I highly encourage that. But this weekend is the weekend you should, if you haven't done it, this is the deadline. You've only got twenty to 60 years, 20 to 40 years of work, of income coming in. And then you're going to have to live for 20 years, pr- relatively healthy. From age 60 to, to 80, you should be relatively vigorous and spending some money and seeing the grandkids. So depending on when you get married, you get somewhere between 20 and 60 fiscal years together. Unless, of course, you're from Tennessee. Then you can add an extra 15 because I think you can legally get married at 7. In Tennessee. This station, we're not on in, in Tennessee, are we? <laughs> How can you tell a rich family in Tennessee? They got two cars up on jacks. 
Just throwing it out there for you. Throwing it out there for you. Um, what type of person are you? A saver spender? You should be able to know that. Top mistakes young couples make. They go to Anaheim and they go to a rave on New Year's and spend $200 a ticket. If you can't figure out something to do in your hometown with someone under the age of 40 for less than $500 on New Year's Eve, you're... Another mistake young people make is they fail to set goals. They don't stick to a budget. They carry too much debt. They've got no cash. They've got no disability insurance. You are much more likely to suffer a loss of income than you are to die before you turn the age of 70. Most people die at 75. So life insurance is important. It's not that important. To me, disability insurance is much more important for people under the age of 50. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Little Peter Gabriel. I don't remember. I don't recall. I got no memory of anything at all. Peter Gabriel came out of Genesis, believe it or not. Um, he was one of those people, the first time you ever heard, like, uh, Sledgehammer on a sunny Walkman, you're like, wow, there's a richness to this music that you don't typically hear. So was the 1986 album that was just a massive commercial success for him, and since then he's kind of been hit or miss, in my opinion. I do think that, you know, one of, uh, I think one of the greatest albums of all time is Us, by Peter Gabriel. It's Trust me, don't go out and buy it, because I said so. But it's... Uh, an album about love and all the failures and we have failures in our life and we just have to get over that and move on can't let it define us for too long Um, his early stuff was pretty creative his latter stuff is pretty political Um, shaking the tree um, what he's done with artists out of Africa is stunning Yusu Endure um I wish I had a career as long as his, and with so many milestones of turning left, going straight, turning right, going straight, working with Kate Bush, turning left, uh, working with U2 and Brian Eno, you know, it's, you got to give him credit. He uh, has pushed forward more often than, than not. Um, that's about all I got for you on that one. So Us was back in 1992, produced by Daniel Lenoir, which still producing today. Um, good producer is just as important as a good singer. It's just as important as a good songwriter. Management, not so much. So I was talking about mistakes that couples make, mistakes that individuals make. Um, I don't have to beat this to death. I hope, you know... It stinks that money and love are so often tied together. Um, 
I remember as an 18-year-old kid, as a 16-year-old kid, and I don't understand why, why are college, why are credit cards allowed to be issued on college campuses? That stuns me. Like a college campus, you probably don't have a job, you're a student. But they know they can get you then. So best advice I can give for young couples is max out your 401k. Be disciplined about saving. Be frugal and have fun. There's no crime against a picnic. There's no crime against, you know, music in the park. It may not be as good as going to see, you know, the hot new band at the hot new show. But music at the park, take a flask, save on alcohol expenditures, whereas if you go to the, the Warfield or, you know, six, seven, eight, ten dollar drinks. Again, when you do things, do things well and, and go all out. Um, you need to budget. You need to write down things that look crazy. You need to say, this looks like a special luxury. And not like, what are you, cra- what are you crazy spending money like this? The word special luxury sounds a little bit more like, maybe we could do this. Um, save, 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 save. 401Ks and 403Bs and 457s, all that stuff that I talk about, it's all tied towards one basic concept of Social Security needs to be supplemented. As a young couple, get out of debt, pay more than the minimum. If you find yourself paying the minimum on a credit card, you're in problems. Snowball any debt payments over 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. If you use it carefully, credit card debt is a great tool. If you use it carelessly, credit card debt will bury you. If you ever find your family is in problems with credit card debt, start dealing with it in a very honest kind of way. Honest being, um, get on top of it. Call the credit card companies, ask for a lower rate. Call the credit card companies, ask for a three-month grace period so you can get on top of it. Consider consumer credit services. Most major cities in the United States have something called consumer credit counseling services. So it's CCCS, three C's, one S. And then, for instance, San Francisco, it's three C's, two S's, and an F.org. So it's Consumer Credit Counseling Services, San Francisco.org. So it's CCCSSF.org. In 1999, the average line of credit was $1,800. One year later, the average line of credit was $3,500. That was a time of good times. The dot-com era was rocking and rolling along. And in the good times, people decided to take on more debt, more credit card debt. Over 80% of households have at least one credit card. Over 20% of all spending is put on a credit card and not on a debit card. The trillions of dollars that we have on credit debt is just as scary as the trillions of dollars that we have on student debt. Debt's bad. Debt is a boogeyman. So start looking at a credit card as you know, a tool in your relationship that can hurt you or it can help you. 
There's no shame in using the, getting those miles points. There is a shame in carrying a balance after you're age 25. If you find that, you know, a true emergency comes up, I, oh, it's, it's killing me. Credit accounts stay on reports for 7 to 10 years from the last date of activity. Everyone should get a copy of the credit report at annualcreditreport.com. You want to have a million dollars by age 65. If you start as a young person at age 20, it only takes you $190 a month. If you wait till you're 25, it's $286 a month. If you wait till you're 30, it's $430 a month. If you wait till you're 50, it's almost $3,000 a month. You want to have a million dollars by age 65. If you wait till 60, it's $13,700 a month. So you can start at 20 at 190, 25 at 286. But you can't wait much longer than that. One of the best financial tips I can give you is pay yourself first. I did this in college, and it was just a different way of thinking. I said that I was going to pay myself $166 a month to go into my retirement account before I paid for books, before I paid for beer, before I paid for anything. Dates, pizza, whatever. I worked backwards. I saved first. Never invest in life insurance. Whole life, variable life, not good products. You're going to live till 75 on average. You get what you can't, you insure what you can't afford to lose. The cheapest life insurance is term life. And as a young couple, if you're earning bread, if you're earning money, you insure at least 10 years of that. When you're 70, your partner's not going out on a Caribbean vacation after you die. So you don't need life insurance after 75 because your partner's too old to enjoy it. And you've probably saved enough money that they could live off it till the day they die. So whole life insurance is, is bogus. Variable life insurance is bogus. You need term life for that period in your life where you're earning income. Not for that period in life where you're not earning income. When you're 75, you're not earning income. You don't need to insure that. Whole life is great for someone like me. Let's say you're worth $10 million. You want to give $10 million to Stanford. You, get a, you have Stanford buy a whole life policy on, you know, when you're 70. And sometimes in the next 10 years, they're going to be paying these outrageous fees. But they know they're going to get $10 million. And then the life insurance goes to your heirs. When my grandmother died at 95, she didn't need life insurance. When her husband died, you know, at like 92, they didn't need life insurance. Focus on performance, not on safety. The best performing asset class when you're young, stocks. Don't focus on the best performance ever, like, um, you know, tech stocks. Stock, different type of stocks come in and out of favor. You want to own them all. You want to own the Wilshire 5000. That's the best index to own if you want to own a lot of stocks. You want to own some sort of international index, some sort of Morgan Stanley country index. You want to own some income. Again, this is not investment advice. I don't know you. It's a work advisor for taking action that stocks mentioned. But you want to start saving today and compounding today. Money doubles every 7.2 years. Some people think Einstein said that compounding is the greatest modern miracle of, of time. It's not, he didn't say that. He didn't say anything like that. People made that up. Money does not come from ATM machines. I know you're saying that. You're struggling. You're struggling. You're out of content. What do you mean money doesn't come from ATM machines? Yeah, it does. I put money in and I put my card in and out comes money. 
The lure of fast money is so tempting. But, like, for instance, private REITs. Hey, your money's safe and get this big return. If private REITs were such good investment ideas, why does FINRA tell people on their website that they're not appropriate for most investors? They're appropriate for accredited investors. They're venture capital. It's speculative money. Public REITs, that's a totally different game. Public REITs are actually yours. You actually own it. Private REITs, very speculative. FINRA, our insurance regulator, says there's a lot of commissions in these things. They're very complex. Some of them don't work out the way you want them to. So the best advice on money and investing and everything else is if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. If you waited way too long in life to start making money and saving money and earning money, and you're trying to catch up, you're probably going to make a lot of mistakes along the way. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. So I saw a story recently that I thought was pretty powerful. It's a perfect example of how Walmart is taking over small towns. And basically the story is written by someone who went back to high school, you know, after years of working in the big city. And their high school football sign used to be brought to you by, like, the local mom-and-pop grocery franchise. There was a smaller ad for the local pizza joint. There was a smaller ad for, like, an arcade. And now, 10 years later, it's this stadium brought to you by Walmart. And it's a pretty it's a pretty sign, prettier than the one he remembers that was all, like, sun-bleached out. So said writer goes over to someone and said, you know, what do you think about Seoul? Goes over to local mom, and local mom said, "She goes, I think it's great. They give a lot of money to the school and things like Gatorade and bottles. We're thrilled with the sponsorship. Wow, that's how powerful Walmart is. They could take your childhood franchises, give away a couple bottles and some Gatorade, and they can own the the rights to it. Again, I'm not against this because." I, I can't beat the system. So my angle is buy some Walmart. Or if you're not buying Walmart, buy something like Coke. Or buy something like Pepsi who does Gatorade. Brands that aren't going to go out of business in your lifetime. Or that you don't think is going to go out of business in your lifetime. Um, so there's just these things like this you have to start thinking about. Like, I know Bank of America stinks. I've been in a Bank of America where I thought this guy was going to pull out his pants and poop on the teller and start throwing poop at the walls like a monkey. He was so angry, that's what he did. So I'm buying shares of Bank of America. 
Because if they can give customer service that makes people so angry, and yet they have no other options. I like U.S. banks. Right now, I don't really like the big international banks. Over time, I do. Right now, I don't. I think internationally, there's still a lot of regulation coming. But look, i got to put my money somewhere. You do too. Well, they've probably refinanced as many mortgages as they're going to be able to refinance, and that should dry up. Okay, so they don't have a great year next year. I don't care. There's still no, no other game in town for credit cards. There's still no other game in town for mortgages. You with me against me? Robert. What was that? Oh, and what's the old prospector saying from Blazing Saddles? Robert. Does he say my name? I don't know. Blazing Saddles, really politically incorrect. Really politically incorrect. Back at a time where being politically incorrect was kind of funny. Nowadays, not so much. You'd have a lot tougher time pulling off that. Um, always buy a... I've gotten an email from a lot of people recently frustrated about a home. And I want to reiterate this. A home is where you live. It's not an investment. A home is a way of keeping your costs on your side. It's a way of paying yourself rent. It is not something you have to do. My mom is 75-plus years old, and she's got a 30-year mortgage. I, she's going to have a mortgage when she dies. You don't have to pay it off. We've got a lot of silly notions tied towards our house based on silly notions that were handed down to us. My parents didn't live through the Great Depression, but you would, act, you would think that they did because their parents did. Back then, when you got a loan, the bank could call it. Now a mortgage can't be called. It's yours. They've made the biggest mistake in history. It's going to make you want to kick yourself in the head. It's the biggest mistake. They've lent you money for 30 years that doesn't readjust for inflation. And if you prepay it, you're a monkey. You're a financial monkey. You don't have that opposable thumb yet. You're not evolved yet financially. You don't have to own the home that you live in. This 38-year-old woman, she should worry about her job because she's been in and out of jobs a lot. But that, she's employable. She's got a good career. It's just tech companies downsize her job more often than not. She should focus on that. She should focus on where she wants to live. I told her to move to Denver. Denver is a city that's got more men than women. And she's like, all the guys on the peninsula have a problem. They either have baggage from their exes or their ex-girlfriends. They all got problems. I'm like, look, sweetie, you're 38. You got some baggage, too. It's right around your hiney. You used to be skinny and pretty, but you put on some weight. You're not, you're not as eye-pleasing as you used to be. You're now 38, having never been married. Why is that? There's some baggage. Maybe you were too picky earlier. Guy's radar is now going, she was, she's picky. I want to stay away from the picky ones. So consider moving. You don't have to live in the house you're going to, you know, you, you, don't have to pay, you don't have to own the house you live in. The only house I want to own is the house I'm going to die in. Everything else I want to have mortgage on it. Um, your kids, they're expensive. Just know that. Very, very expensive. 
two, three hundred thousand dollars. So entertaining. That's another problem with owning a house. Is once you own a house, you want to entertain more, and entertaining's expensive. I live in a block where we entertain a lot, you know, like everyone does. So all the neighbors have parties for each other, and it ain't cheap. Most people can't afford that lifestyle. It's a and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making... Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.